Welcome back for episode 122 of the Sports Gospel here on sportsgospel.com or wherever you find your favorite sports podcasts. Darren and Andrew back with you after a one-week hiatus, just some crazy busy time in the, the real world and work life for me, so I had to take a week off, and some of that may be coming up as well. Need to get October sorted out here with work and life, and as much as we should be paid for this, we don't get paid enough to make this priority number one. Something fun for us to do and give you our take in the sports world. Try to have happy, friendly sports takes here, not uh, not tear anybody down on the show. It's our goal. Today's big news we were planning. We're all geared up to talk NFL, college football, MLB, maybe some UFC or WNBA, and then the basketball gods blessed us with the trade we've been waiting nine months for, it feels like. Damian Lillard going to the Milwaukee Bucks. I want to look at this team by team, starting with the Bucks, and then what it means for the Blazers, the Suns, and we'll throw some jabs at the Miami Heat at the end. So I, I assume as soon as this news broke about 11 o'clock local time here on the West Coast, Andrew's been all over it every hour since then. So what do we make of this, at least uh, from the Bucks' perspective, to begin with? Hey, I just want to go back to something you said at the opening. Uh, we get paid? No, I'm saying that we, we should get. That's that's what I'm saying. Like if, oh. if, if somebody wants to start paying us, we will, uh, you know, we play for the love of the game, but you know, eventually, eventually one's funny. I was going to say, uh, you're getting royalty checks and I'm not. This is about to turn into a whole different podcast. <laughs> as, as soon as we uh, get the Schottenkirk, Joaquin, Carl, Ford. Uh, D'Armin Ford. Sorry. Indianola and D'Armin Automotive, Knoxville. All and, right, uh, well, I'll save that for Jeth Rose. And Jeth Rose. Um, yes. As soon as we get the sponsorships, we'll be great and good to go. Um. Yeah, uh, this trade really dropped out of nowhere. Um, did not expect this to go down today. I knew there was a lot of work going on behind the scenes, but did not expect it to go down the way it did and when it did. And this was great news. This was wild news. Um, let's start with Milwaukee. Giving up Drew Holiday. Obviously, you're giving up a defensive sort of stalwart in him. But if this is what you have to do to keep Giannis around for the life of his career in Milwaukee, you make this trade every single day of the week. Um, Damian Lillard, we all know what he brings offensively and how scary good he can be just on his own. You put him next to arguably the best player in the world. I, I know some would say Jokic. I'm still team Giannis, but you put the offensive skill that we know that Dame Lord has as kind of the number two guy alongside someone who's already been there, done that in terms of winning a championship. If healthy, this is, uh, they're obviously the favorites now. The odds have moved. They're the favorites. And I love this trade for Milwaukee. I don't hate it for Portland. They're probably going to, I think here's what's going to happen. They're going to flip Holiday immediately for more assets. Um, but I I think they got, between getting Holiday and Aiton, because the Suns are a part of this deal too, which we can talk about, but I uh, I like the deal for the Blazers and the Bucks. I, I don't really like it for the Suns or teams that weren't involved. It's interesting to see how it will all shake out. I It's 
the one thing that I think Miami or Miami Milwaukee needed was that offense. Damian Lillard's going to come in and be automatic offense for this team. There's been a lot of questions, especially as I am local to Blazer Market. A lot of worried about what this looks like. Can Dame and Giannis share the ball, which I think they can. I don't. They were worried that Giannis is going to be handling the rock, which I don't think makes any sense. I think Damian will be still the main ball handler and facilitate the Greek freak. I think these two work well together. Dare I say the best one-two punch in the league? I don't know who you can look at and say he's got a better one-two than Dame and Giannis. No, you you really can't. I mean, unless you want to say that Murray Jokic or LeBron AD, you know, I but I those tandems are Tatum Brown. Um, but just looking at the Bucks roster, I mean, they won a championship with Chris Middleton as their legit number two guy. Granted, the Chris Middleton health hasn't been there. Um, the Giannis health hasn't been there for the Bucks over the last couple of years, but now Middleton is kind of guy number three, and that is really what what elevates the team. So you talk about the fit for Lillard next to Giannis, but Chris Middleton is a legit number two guy now playing a number three role. Uh, Brooke Lopez was kind of pay, playing a number three role offensively, and now he's kind of a fourth option. Um, so I thought it was big, too, that Milwaukee didn't give up anything more than really Holiday, Grayson Allen, and a first-round pick is essentially what they gave up for Damian Lillard. They got to keep Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, all guys who have been contributing members of a championship team. So they got to keep – what they got to keep is more important than what they – got in a lot of senses as well so big big win from milwaukee here today i think it's the, the quintessential rich getting richer i think they were already a favorite in the east looking at the east yeah we'll do a full-fledged nba preview here in a few weeks it still feels like it's celtics heat bucks and the bucks feel like they've gotten way better you mentioned all those guys they were able to keep both Lopez twins, Bobby Portis, Jay Crowder. So you've got your your tough guys, your defense. Nobody wants to go in, among, in amongst the trees against this team. And then Giannis and Dame to give you that offense. I don't know that I love what else they have at guard play right now. Lake Beasley is maybe your go-to guy now that Grayson Allen's gone. Maybe Ty Ty Washington has some future there. I don't know that they maybe have the depth of the Celtics in the heat, but that starting five is going to be – that's going to be brutal for anyone to get through. Uh, it'll be the – development of Marjan Bochamp and Andre Jackson Jr. that will help solidify that guard depth and maybe Milwaukee's not done. Maybe there's another deal, another another move out there. Um Ty Ty Washington, I don't think that's someone that they're gonna look to or Malik Beasley really either. I mean, those guys might fill in some minutes at some point during the regular season, but those aren't really guys that they're gonna look to. I know Milwaukee was high on Marjan Bochamp and I think his development's going to be huge. I'm not uh, with you on counting the Heat as part of that top three. I think they needed to make a move to stay relevant, and I think they didn't make it. And maybe they will make a move still, but I really think with the Celtics getting Porzingis and then the subsequent rumors now of Holiday maybe reuniting in Philadelphia, I think that would put the – if that were to materialize – I don't think Holiday is going to Miami. I think 
Portland and Miami aren't working with each other on any sort of a deal right now because there was a lot of low-ball offers being tossed out there for Damian Lillard. Portland remembers that. They're not going to work with Miami on much in That's the what future, I, I don't think. Yeah, so, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so because of that, I think Miami's going to take a big step back this year. Um, don't really see them competing. I know people people want to say don't count them out, but I don't really see it. So I think it's more of a Bucks way at the top, Celtics and Sixers notch below that, notch or two below that. So that's that's kind of how I see the East at this point in time. I do wonder how much the Bucks are going to push it because Dame is 33, which is like 50 in basketball years. Giannis is getting up there. The Lopez twins are old. Jay Crowder's old. Just wonder if they're really going to try to push it. They're going to be like, oh, you know, getting the four or five seed is fine, and then we'll just kind of go in, let the let the Celtics or the Cavaliers or Bulls or somebody go all in for that one seed. Yeah, I mean, well, definitely not the Bulls. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't need to worry about them grabbing a one seed. But, uh, yeah, I could see them, you know, maybe not saying it's all about health for the playoffs. But also – I think there's going to be a lot of con- continuity stuff to figure out and they'll want to get Middleton back and rolling and kind of see how it all fits together with Giannis, Dame and Middleton on the court. And like I said, there's still a chance that Milwaukee's not done further moves to be made and that kind of, that kind of thing, but who knows? And I, I do forget that the Sixers are a thing. You're right there. Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, and then, like, maybe a little bit different opinion on Miami. And then I I tried to pump them up last year, and they let me down. The Cavaliers, I still think there's something there. It does feel at least like the Bucks and Celtics are separating from the pack, at least when it comes postseason time. Yep, I would agree. And looking at their, sal- looking at their salaries, if they both choose to stay and get along, it looks like Giannis and Dame will be together for three years. Giannis has a player option after the 26 season and Lillard hasn't after the 27 unless they restructure, if I'm reading this all right. Yep, yep, you're right on board with that. And then uh, I think a Giannis extension is probably going to get done at some point. I don't know about this year, but at some point within the next two years, you got to think that a Giannis five-year Supermax, it's coming, right? Um that's really what this move was about, right? It was about going in on a championship, obviously, and, and extending a championship window. But it was more about, like, you don't do this without Giannis saying, hey, let's do this. So him being all in on it and then making this trade, it just means that Giannis is all in in Milwaukee. And it's good that um, small market teams, right, are – they didn't cave. They didn't send Dame to a big market, right? A small market team is going to have success. I think that's cool. And it seems like everybody kind of likes the Bucks. I get people hating on the Suns, and the Raptors were another team rumored. I it is good to see the the Bucks get this. You mentioned the small market people like, so happy to see them doing well. Keep this moving here to talk about the Trailblazers, the team that and. Dame said he wanted to get out. The team was going to do right by him. I don't totally love the return unless DeAndre Ayton is revitalized here. 
uh, kind of an interesting fit, but they did give up Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic, who are kind of the last two foundational pieces of this pre, uh, previous era. Basically a swap for Nurkic and Aiton. They absolutely needed to get bigger and younger up front, so Aiton makes sense if he's if we get prime DeAndre Aiton. Otherwise, it felt more like the Blazers kind of did what they had to do to help Damian Lillard out, and those picks they get from the Bucks are in like 2028 or 2029, so those are so far down the road. Portland's going to be bad this year, but they're young and rebuilding, and it's all about putting pieces around those young guards from at least the way I see it. Yeah, I think you're spot on with everything. I don't really have anything other than, other to add than I thought it was a decent deal, and I think we'll kind of we can kind of talk more about what Portland got after they make a holiday deal because they'll probably get some sort of picks, some sort of pieces back in a deal for Drew Holiday because Holiday is like an all-star level player, uh, all-NBA level player. So they're not going to get nothing back for Holiday. So it's the haul that they got from Dame and then probably a subsequent haul from Drew Holiday deal that I think will kind of determine how we see this trade for them in the future. Uh, I don't mind the Aiden taking a flyer on Aiden because you know you're not going to compete. And like you said, if he is somehow able to feel rejuvenated or revitalized by being on a young team where he might be a little bit more of a feature guy than he was in Phoenix, I think he could possibly succeed in that role. But we do know that he is at least solid as a rebounder and a defender. Um, He obviously can't stop Jokic, but no one can. Um, no one can stop Giannis for that matter either. So, but he can uh, do a lot of damage defensively and on the boards against pretty much any other big man on any any given night. Uh, so you at least have a potential defensive anchor to go around some of those young guards as well. So I I kind of like this move a little bit. I think it's sneaky good, uh, maybe short and long term for for Portland. And I think Aiton brings more of that size, power, defense. Nurkic, decent rebounder and can step out and shoot pretty well for a big. He did have a gruesome leg injury a couple of years ago. I think he's mostly bounced back from that. I think he was maybe a little bit different player before that. If we look at the projected starting five for the Blazers after this, we assume Drew Holiday is getting flipped. So Scoot Henderson's going to be the guy. He is, he's the man of the hour. Anthony Simons at the two guard, Shaden Sharp at the small forward, Aiton at the center. So it leaves you with that four spot. They've got Jeremy Grant there now. Nasir Little was the backup. He's gone. They've got Matisse Tybel there. They've got your beloved Chris Murray as a backup. I just I get that you need some veterans and some adults in the room with all these young guys around. Jeremy Grant seems like he'd be a good one for that. I just wonder, are are Jeremy Grant and Matisse Tybel long for the Blazers? Are those are those other guys you move on for draft picks and new pieces as you're kind of slowly shipping out the old? Yeah, I could kind of see Jeremy Grant maybe being a trade deadline candidate. I think he will start the year as Portland's power forward foreman. I think Chris Murray will work in there kind of ahead of Tybal. I think Tybal will kind of be the third guy, maybe even more of a three spot minutes. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what else the Blazers have on their roster, but I think it'll be a lot of, experimentation at that four slot and I think eventually probably they move from uh they move on from Jeremy Grant and say let's roll with Chris Murray as their starting four and 
get back some stuff in the trade. Are you keeping Anthony Simons if you're the Blazers? Are you fine with him as your two two guard? Yeah, I think I'm fine with him. I think I'm, I think I don't have to make a decision on Simons until after the season, maybe even halfway through the next season. So I'm fine with just seeing how it looks for at least a year, maybe two years with those three guys you mentioned in the backcourt with Scoot, Simons, and, and Sharp. Although I do think at some point it'll probably become clear and obvious that it's a Scoot 1, Sharp 2 kind of a thing. Um, Aiden, Chris Murray, those guys maybe number 3, one of those guys number 3. Um, who knows? But uh, yeah, I think it'll kind of be a uh, I think it'll kind of be the scootin' sharp show going forward. I think that's got to be your one, two, long term. And then there's the Phoenix Suns, the team that you were unsure about what they got back, which was basically Yusuf Nurkic and Grayson Allen. And one thing I don't think we talk about with this team is how much they've really torn it down from just a couple of years ago. Was that was that 2021 they made the finals? Yeah. Um, and, and all they have left from that is Booker, right, basically? Yeah, I'm try- I'm looking even here at the backwards. Wasn't it like Cam Payne and Cam Johnson and yeah, uh, and uh, Jay Crowder Mikhail and all those Bridges. Guys, Mikhail Bridges. All those guys are gone to, and Aiton's gone, and Chris Paul's gone. And he just reminds you, and even the Trailblazers. I think, I think somehow like Anthony Simons is now the longest tenured Trailblazer or something crazy like that. It just shows, just goes to show you how quickly these can add up. So this team is really building around Devin Booker. Just is basically you're looking for Beal, Booker, and Durant to lead you, and I. I don't know if basically the question is, does that get you past the Nuggets? I don't think that does. I think they're going to score a million points. I just don't know if the whole team and defense and depth are all there. Yeah, well, you really know that Aiton, like I said, you really knew that Aiton wasn't going to be able to stop Jokic anyways. So why not just, you know, lean into your strength, which is already offense, and add in another kind of offensive-minded player with Nurkic? who you're not going to really play at the five in the postseason anyways because your best lineup is playing Kevin Durant at the five with four other guys around him. So you're just using you're just using Nurkic and uh, Jock Landale or, or whoever it is to kind of fill minutes at center for the regular season. And then come postseason when things heat up, you're rolling out Kevin Durant at the five for a lot of the game and playing B.L. Booker and then a couple other small ball guys around. As you look at the Western Conference after this trade, and again, wherever Drew Holiday lands may change this, if we assume Denver's number one to be the man, you got to beat the man. So they should get all the credit for being the number one team. Who's second in the West right now? Dallas is the two-man power trip. Houston's young. San Antonio's young. New Orleans is going to go the way Zion goes. John Morant sitting out for Memphis. Minnesota and Oklahoma City have nice young pieces. Portland and Utah rebuilding. The L.A. teams are old. You've got your beloved. I feel like it's between your beloved beam team, the Warriors, and the Suns. But I could be totally yeah, off. I think, I think you're spot on. I think it's a Sacramento-Phoenix battle. Um, and, not a common phrase. <laughs> yeah, uh, not a common phrase at all. We will see what kind of Sacramento does because there's been some talk about them maybe getting involved in the holiday thing, although I don't think they have kind of the salary to make it work. 
So that could be a complicated thing, but it seems like a move that would fit them and make sense for them because they need kind of a veteran presence and maybe a little bit more of a defensive presence on their team. Um, But yeah, I really think it's, I think uh, Holiday is probably headed back east, but yeah, it's them and then you, you really can't count out the Warriors. I mean, they did just get Chris Paul. They always have Steph Curry. It's kind of one of those things, though, where the Warriors don't really care all that much about the regular season, kind of like what we talked about with the Bucks and maybe some other teams. They care enough to make the playoffs, but they don't really care about their seeding at all. So it is kind of the other teams in the Pacific Division. Uh, the Pacific Division is just absolutely loaded, man, um, with Phoenix, Sacramento, the Lakers, the Warriors, I mean, all four of those teams were playoff teams last year, and I don't see any reason why they won't all four be again. And then I think you have to really give some thought to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think those are kind of the five teams that are going to battle it out for number two. And I I don't know if I can point to one of them and say, oh, yeah, that's the team who's definitely going to be number two in the West this season. I would love it if the West came down to the Thunder, the Wolves, and the Kings, and my and my beloved Nuggets. Yeah, and it very well might. Um, maybe not the Wolves, but I could see Thunder, Kings, Nuggets for sure. You know, pending health, as always. Um, yeah, I could see things coming down to that, but Phoenix, I don't think you can count out just given the kind of the firepower that I have there. And then there's the Miami Heat, who Damian Lillard wanted to go to, said over and over, I want to go to the Heat. And it seems like everybody on the planet, except for Pat Riley and or Eric Spolster, wanted that to happen. Jimmy Butler wanted him. All the fans wanted him. The Blazers had resigned themselves like, okay, this is the trade. We just need to get something back. And then the term arrogance been thrown around or difficult, whichever you'd like to describe it. This felt like a, we're going to send him to the East and we're going to send him to the team that's going to beat the doors off of you. So this, it, in a roundabout way, this felt like quite a jab at the Heat as well, and not just accommodating the Blazers and Damian Lillard. No, I think uh, Portland did really well to stand their ground and not take the poo-poo platter offer from the Miami Heat. Um, yeah, Miami, Miami really shot themselves in the foot here because they said, you can have one of... Tyler Hero or Caleb Martin, but you can't have both. And that's really was ultimately the difference. And they just said, okay, we'll, tr- well, we'll send him to Milwaukee and we'll sell Lillard on it because we say, how about playing with Giannis? And who's going to say no to playing with Giannis? If you, if you have any sort of basketball knowledge, which Damian Lillard does, you're going to say yes to playing with Giannis all day. Um, and if, Holiday's on the table. Well, I like Drew Holiday better than Tyler Hero or or Caleb Martin or even both of them any uh, you know any day of the week. So I think Miami was dumb to not just be like, okay, that's what you want for Dame Lillard. We'll do it. Here you go, Dame Jimmy Bam. We'll figure out the rest. That's all they needed to do, and they're. They're kind of reaping the benefits. And then the other thing is 
there was a, always this kind of fantasy about Giannis leaving Milwaukee for Miami. That's that's out the window now too. So they simultaneously lost out on a future that included Dame Lillard and or Giannis on the same day. So rough times for the Heat. I've been a Heat fan, openly professed my appreciation for Jimmy Butler's game. So it's it's not the guys on the floor, it's the people pulling the strings that I think people are mostly upset with. Well, I'm not sure I like Jimmy Butler anymore after he went full snitch mode. <laughs> uh, you didn't hear it from him. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> to me, that was just, uh, we're panicking because we know we're not as good and we don't have a chance. Um, cry more, Jimmy. Cry more. <laughs> well, anything else on that before we talk a little bit of football? Trying to have a bit of a sprint quick of an episode this week. So, yeah, let's give you guys uh, some football coverage here. Let's keep sprinting along. Do you want to start with the pros or the slightly younger pros? Let's let's start with the slightly younger pros, aka college football. So the the now paid college athletes. We're not going to go into every game and every conference here. Just want to find a few that stand out. Uh, Friday night, huge game in the pack. However many teams we want to call it in the future. Utah, and Oregon State, Oregon State falling. I'm a big fan of both of these teams just as a passive college football fan, like Utah, but I think the Beavs are going to get them back in a, a Friday night in the Potato Salad Stadium. Yeah, I mean, I like the Beavs in this one too. Before we before we go too much further, who are the – we've had four weeks now. Who are the college football playoff contenders? Uh, well, like two of the ones that I picked are terrible, so I'm a little, I'm a little hurt in there. Uh, let's yeah. see. I think you've got one, two, three, four, five. The the Pac-12 is the one that's throwing me off because I would have said Alabama is in there, but they have not looked good. I think Notre Dame lost some shine. I'll say, I'll say you have about eight right now because the Pac-12 teams are going to beat each other up and really knock this down. Yeah. So uh, let's go through it. I'll say the current contenders are Georgia for sure, yep. no doubt. Michigan. Yep. Penn State. Okay. Texas. Okay. Ohio State. Yep. Florida State. Yep. And then, yeah, like you said, the Pac-12 teams are going to – I know Oregon, uh, Utah is in the top ten, but the Cam Rising situation, he hasn't really played yet. Um, Like you said, they're going to beat up on each other. Uh, I do think, you know, that – Washington, USC, Oregon, Utah, we kind of talked about before the season, and it's still true. Any one of those four could win the Pac-12 championship this year. So if we're, we're thinking about this, there's not really much standing in Florida State's way now that they beat Clemson. Like, if you look at their schedule, there's not really much in their way at all. There's a game with Duke. There's a game with Miami. There's a game at Florida. Right, but all of the, they'll be favored in all three of those. And the Duke and the Miami game are at home. The Florida game is in the swamp, so maybe that's tricky. But it's at the end of the year. Who knows what kind of state Florida will be in. So I'm saying Florida State goes undefeated. We've got Florida State in. So Georgia, I think, is going to win the SEC. Like you said, Bama's been underwhelming. 
LSU kind of has their pitfalls. There's not really anybody else that I'm Ole Miss, Florida, Tennessee. I'm not really, I'm not really seriously considering those contenders. So I think Georgia's winning the SEC. So there's two. And then I think it's the Big Ten champion, which will be one of Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Take your pick again. I really think it's a Penn State Michigan race. And then I think there's not really much between Texas and going undefeated. So Big Ten, SEC, ACC champion, and Big 12 champion are probably going to be your four this year, I think. I think you hit on most of mine. I I will continue banging the drum of not being a Florida State fan. I think they're going to get tripped up here. I'm super high on that Miami Hurricane team. I was also very high in Clemson, and they look not good. Clemson and Alabama were two of my teams that I thought would be contending early in the year. I still have faith that Alabama can get it right just because they have the best talent in the planet and Saban and all the other assistant coaches they have. And I don't I don't think their schedule is that particularly challenging now that we've seen Tennessee and LSU and Texas A&M may not be that exceptional. So I think Alabama could get back in there, but I think you hit on all the ones. The only one I would throw in is Notre Dame. I They were right in there with Ohio State. I think because it is Notre Dame, if they are able to run the table, they're going to get a serious look as a 11-1 team. USC is really their only other tough game. And Clemson, I'm I'm not buying Duke. I'm happy to see Duke do well. I don't think they're in this top 10 conversation, though. I think Notre Dame can pretty well move through this schedule depending on what shape USC and Clemson are in. See, I, I came out of that Notre Dame game feeling the opposite about Notre Dame. I I came out of that game going, oh boy, look out, and I think it's going to happen. I think Duke's going to win outright this weekend. I I firmly believe that Clemson, that Clemson team, although they've had their struggles, they're better than this Notre Dame team. I don't think this is a great Ohio State team. I think it's probably the third best team in the Big Ten. That And Notre Dame made a lot of mental errors. The 10 men on the field thing, which was just weird, uh, apparently has happened multiple times this season. So I think Notre Dame, we got a little too hyped on them because they were beating the brakes off of uh, Navy and Tennessee State or whoever the heck it was. Right. Um, but Duke, I, I think they're a very serious team and I think they're going to take Notre Dame kind of out of the equation. And then we might have to start seriously considering Duke after this week. I will let you do the considering for both of us. OK, because I I'm I'm riding the Duke train. <laughs> I'm, I'm riding these basketball schools that are suddenly good at football, the UNC, the Duke, the Kansas. Apparently, it's the thing now. The one team that you mentioned that I hate to admit that I'm high on is Texas. The Big 12 looks middling at best. I don't feel like Kansas is really that great. I think Oklahoma is slightly back, but not quite to that level. K-State, I think, is the only one who can hang with them. Uh, Oklahoma State, word is that the players are just straight up quitting on Mike Gundy. And then Texas Tech has been a bit disappointing other than the Oregon game. We're two weeks away from Red River, so that could change things. But if Kansas or if Texas gets through Kansas, which I think they will, and then the big one two weeks away from Oklahoma, that could be smooth sailing for Texas. At most, maybe one loss, Big 12 Conference champion. And then you look at 
know, how do you view one loss SEC or one loss ACC versus one loss Big 12 versus one loss Pac-12? Yeah, I I mean, I think the Big 12 is kind of a mess outside of Texas and Oklahoma, to be quite honest. Um, Kansas, I think there's a lot of hype with them. Didn't they do this last year, though? Didn't they start like 6-0 and end 6-6 or something? That's what I'm saying is I think Kansas State and TCU are a huge step back from last year, big step back there, and then the bottom of the conference is just really bad. I mean, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Houston, and Iowa State, just really, you know, tough stuff. Um, But, you know, West Virginia may be a little bit surprising, but, you know, I don't don't really think – it's not really a great conference outside of those top two, I don't think. And like you said, I'm not I'm not sold on Oklahoma. So I do think if the Big 12 is getting a team in, it's got to be Texas. And it's got to be an undefeated Texas because I think a loss to essentially anybody in the conference might doom them. And I do have to celebrate this moment. I was in Austin Stadium on Saturday to watch Oregon destroy Colorado. I'm a passive Oregon fan. I really don't care. I picked them to win the conference this year. And I haven't been to a lot of college football games. Usually when I am, I'm up in the nosebleeds. We were like 10 rows up from the Oregon side or Colorado sideline. That is as loud as I've ever heard a college football stadium. And it's only like 55,000 people. It's not a Ohio State or Michigan type place, but it was close. Everybody was jacked up. T.O. was there on the sidelines hanging out with Dion and the Buffaloes. And Oregon looked fantastic. It looked like Colorado got hit in the mouth and did not quite know how to respond. Oregon owned the trenches, just a physical team, just size, presence, controlled the entire thing. And I thought it would be a close game. I thought we'd be looking at like a 50 to 40 game. And Oregon did not let Colorado do anything. It was shocking to see how basically outmanned and overpowered Colorado was. I just... They can go seven and five. I'm fine with it. I was just sick of the Dion hype train that all we hear about is Dion in college football and all these other great teams and great coaches are not being celebrated because all the attention was on Coach Prime and very fun to watch Oregon. And while USC doesn't have a defense, so it's going to be a shootout this week, I fully expect Caleb Williams to put on a show this Saturday. Um, you know, I think this is a, a spot for the USC defense to get right. Um, I think. I think Colorado's going to get embarrassed in back-to-back weeks here. I don't know if it'll be a 42-6 to level embarrassment. I think USC might put up a few more points, and Colorado might put up a few more points. But I think the spread will be um, probably just as big. I'm just trying to see what we've got, right? Cause it's a, for those of us on the West Coast, it's a 9 a.m., so it's 21.5 right now. It was 20.5 for Colorado or for Oregon last week. Yeah, take it. Take USC. Because I think they're going to easily cover it. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be another slice of humble pie. And I, looking ahead at Colorado's schedule, I think six and six is the ceiling for this, for this season. I don't feel that they're better than Washington, Oregon State, Washington State. Um, Utah, definitely not. Like, there's plenty of good programs in the Pac-12, and then I think it's kind of a six and six. I mean, that's essentially me giving them every game that they're quote unquote supposed to win. Um, 
I don't even think they should be favored against a team like UCLA. So let's just break it down. They're going to get slaughtered by USC, no doubt. They play at Arizona State. I think they'll win. Arizona State's awful. They play Stanford at home. Stanford's awful. I think they'll win. Right? They'll go to UCLA and they'll lose. So got them at four and two, five and two, five and three, five and four after they take on Oregon State. I think six and four after they take on Arizona. They they've got a chance. It's kind of a coin flip. I'll give it to them. And then they go to Washington State and Utah, and I think that's two losses. So six and six. I'm giving them Arizona State, Stanford, and Arizona. And if they falter or play below par, which they could, because it happens because they're college kids, five and seven, four and eight, firmly on the table. Definitely big improvement over last year, but not national hype worthy. So, yeah. yeah, like you said, I'm sort of sick of the hype too because there's a lot of other great stories going on. Right, which, yeah, if you're Colorado, you should be happy to go six and six and probably get a bowl game offer. And yeah, it's nothing against the kids or the athletes. It's just, can we just stop the constant Dion attention? No, not unless they go three and nine or four and eight. Then um, you can maybe stop it. Not to say this is the difference in Pac-12 football and Big uh, Big Ten football, but the over-under for that USD-Colorado game is 73.5, and and Iowa-Michigan State is 36.5. Yeah, and uh, Iowa-Michigan State will be far more entertaining because it might be closer. But I'm thinking, so Michigan State is mired in their issues and not good. So we think they're – basically we're asking them to score 12 points against Iowa. I – I may almost be willing to bet the under here. Yeah, I, I might be willing to bet the under and Iowa to cover. Say, I was not allowed to score more than 25 points, and I don't think they're going to give up 12 to Michigan State. Yeah, probably not at home in a night game at Kinnick. Probably not. Probably not. Um, that being said, I know my, my Hawks got embarrassed last Saturday night in Happy Valley. I'd say it might just be... A, re- a real deal here. Um, partially that, partially Iowa's offensive issues coming back to roost again, but I still think um, given the way the rest of the Big Ten West has looked, Iowa's still probably the favorite to win the Big Ten West, as crazy as it sounds after the way Saturday night looked. I think Iowa's still probably the favorite. I had to look this up because I've paid zero attention to Big Ten football this year. But Purdue, bad. We kind of expected them to be rebuilding. Nebraska's rebuilding. Illinois feels down, but who knows with them. Northwestern, almost impressive at 2-2. Two and two. Hey, What can Luke Fickle do in year one? It feels like that's, you know, you're never going to catch me betting for Iowa. But it feels like the Hawkeyes may be your best choice here. Just the stability, the defensive performance. They do feel like the safest option here with a new coach at Wisconsin and then Minnesota, PJ Fleck, they they go ten and two or two and ten, and either way I'd be shocked. Yeah, well Minnesota, I mean, they just blew a twenty one point fourth quarter lead to Northwestern, lost in overtime. I mean, you think Iowa had a bad Saturday night. <laughs> Minnesota played Northwestern, who's awful, was up twenty one at the beginning of the fourth quarter, blew it, lost in overtime. 
So Iowa's got Michigan State and Purdue back to back. Should should be two wins. Easily. And then you get two wins just based off what and then you get your whatever trophies you play for, and there's a pig involved and, and something else. What do you play for in Wisconsin? Do you guys have a trophy? Uh, the Heartland Trophy. And yes. that is really that is really where the, the season hinges, right? Winner of that game, 100% winning the West. November. It's, yeah, October 14th. November 18th, Illinois coming to Iowa. Is this Bielema's first game at Iowa since he took over Illinois? I can't remember how long he's been there. Yes. So it's going to be a very warm welcome for him? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Probably a warm welcome before the game, a not-so-warm welcome during the game. Uh, Minnesota comes to Iowa on the 21st. They haven't won in Iowa City since 1999. I'm not kidding. That's that's a serious stat. Um, don't see any reason that changes. Uh, Rutgers at home. I mean, they hung with Michigan for a half, so maybe I should be worried. But lost by 24 to Michigan. Who knows where they'll be at that point in the season. Maybe the fighting Chianos will be a little bit feisty. Um, I think the road game against Nebraska is probably the scariest game left after the Wisconsin game because um, they have the number one rushing defense right now. Apparently, Nebraska defense is really good, even though their offense is really bad. Black shirts. Yeah, hey, the defense is coming back for Nebraska, but um, so I will have to find a way to win in that environment, and a lot of things could be on the line. But I still think the I will be favored in every game, except for the one against Wisconsin. Probably, I think Wisconsin will be slightly favored. Still not sure how you guys got your schedule with no Michigan and no Penn State or Oregon. Who the hell am I talking about? Ohio State. No Michigan or no Ohio State on it. Played Michigan and Ohio State last year. Ah. That's how it works when you have a 14-team conference, which Big 12 fans will soon find out. I was I was talking to Oregon fans about the move to the Big 10, and they're chomping at the bit. Not, not cocky like they think they're going to run over, but they're ready to see it. They're talking about their road trips, and they're they're ready to bring it on. Oh, no. Oh no, Oregon fans are acting exactly like Nebraska fans before they enter the game. <laughs> they are acting exactly like Nebraska fans, and they'll probably get humbled the way Nebraska fans were too. We've got about five minutes here to wrap this up. Sorry, Major League Baseball. Uh, just a quick go Mariners, go Reds. Uh, some great races down here towards the finish in both leagues. So we'll come go, back. Go. Well, got to play better than they did in the first game against the Braves. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, we we don't want the Reds to go anywhere. We we, we want to see uh, the Chicago <laughs> Cubs back in the back in the playoffs, I think. But uh, that's really what it's all about. Who who's gonna win it all? We can we can go a little bit over over the time limit that I set for us. Okay. Who's gonna win it all in in MLB this year? Who the the Los Angeles Trolley Dodgers. I I'm don't. Not gonna bet. I'm not going to bet against Atlanta. It's, it, it does feel like it's between the Braves and the Dodgers, and I know the Dodgers have this thing where they like to blow it in the postseason. I just I can't convince myself anybody else is on their level, just the pure talent and experience. As much as I love my Phillies and my Blue Jays, my preseason picks, uh feels like it's definitely going NL regardless. 
Yeah, I think we're going. Uh, we're headed for Braves Orioles World Series. I would love it for the Orioles, but I, I just, I feel like I've been burned too many times betting on the little engine that could. Yeah, I understand. Uh, just call it a gut feeling. As someone who doesn't watch a ton of baseball, I watched a little more this year, maybe than in years past, and definitely made some financial investment on a little more baseball than I have in years past. But um, I I really like the O's, and I think it's going to be an O's Braves World Series, and I think that'd be good for baseball. So, Looking at the NFL schedule, nothing going on Thursday night. Sunday morning we have a game in England that they keep trying to force the Jaguars whoa, down. Whoa, whoa, oh, whoa. What? Did we Did say there's nothing going on Did Thursday night? Did I miss something? Yeah, we missed the biggest game of the week going down Thursday night. Tickets are $110 online. Yeah. Um, this might be a battle of, you know, two teams that are probably better than people expected. Uh, Packers-Lions is what we're talking about in Lambeau Field. I think this is a huge game because I think these are both playoff-level teams. And the two games between Detroit and Green Bay this year will ultimately decide who wins the division because the Bears and the Vikings are both 0-3. And if you look at the schedule for both the Packers and the Lions, there's a lot of, not going to call them gimme because nothing is a gimme in the NFL, although I guess they each get to play the Bears at least once more, and in Detroit's case, twice. Um, So that's a gimme. But um, there's a lot of winnable games. Because after this, I think the Packers play the Raiders, then they play the Broncos, who are also struggling. Then I think they play the Buccaneers. Like it's, it's just an awesome schedule set up for the NFC North outside of the division, especially Green Bay with where they finished last year. So I think this is a big game. Um, both teams two and one. I think people are going to look at. They've both played the Falcons and Detroit won by 14, but you got to remember that the Falcons are a bad road team and just have been under Arthur Smith. They're a much different beast at home. And also the Packers defense blew a 13 point lead. They subsequently rallied for an 18 point comeback last week. And I I don't want to get carried away, but three games into the season, Seven touchdowns, one interception for Jordan Love. And he's doing it with basically rookies because Aaron Jones has been out ever since about the third quarter of the first game of the season. And Christian Watson hasn't played. He's getting both those guys back. He still doesn't have Bakhtiari or Elshin Jenkins. They're both out with injuries. Jenkins will be out for a while. Bakhtiari, who knows? Packers offensive line has still played well. But he's getting Watson and Jones back, and he's had time to develop with guys like Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave. And so he's he's going to have his full complement of weapons for the first time, but Jordan Love has looked good without his top two best players on offense. So I think Green Bay is going to win tomorrow night, and I know I'm going off on a rant right now. I <laughs> I didn't mean to go off on too much of a rant, but I think Green Bay is going to win, and Maybe win convincingly tomorrow night over a good over a good Detroit team. I don't want to say that Detroit's bad. I think Green Bay is equally good and 
the world's going to find out about Jordan Love tomorrow night? Well, the world or the 12 people who watch games on Amazon Prime? I mean, the world, because I think I think people have adjusted to the fact that it's on Amazon Prime. And most people who follow the NFL understand that that's two good football teams going at it and will enjoy it. So. I'll I'll be cheering for the Lions, not out of anything against you or the Packers. I just Detroit's the going with the feel good story, the Baltimore Orioles of the NFL. I mean, I guess I won't be too upset to see Sam Laporta, who leads the NFL, the tight end spot and receiving yards and catches. There you go. Um, that's and Jack Campbell, who has been a part of the turnaround on defense, because that's the that was kind of the thing we said with the Lions last year, right? We knew what they brought on offense. Amon Ra. Uh, they had Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift last year. This year it's Gibbs and David Montgomery, um, but they're not really missing a beat on offense. And then they add Laporta to the mix, and they're hoping to get Jamison Williams back. So we, we already knew the offense was just fine for Detroit and that the offense was good. Um, it was questionable on defense outside of like the pass rushing, but they added Brian Branch and Jack Campbell, and now – kind of the back end of the defense is looking just as good as the front four. So the Lions actually have a defense that is somewhat closer to average, maybe even above average, as opposed to kind of leaking like it was last year. So that's really what's elevated them as a team. They are a good story. I think and like I said, the North is coming down to those two teams because those are the two best teams in the division. Looking ahead to the Sunday slate that we have, not one of the best weeks, I would say, of the season. Some A lot of good versus bad, a lot of bad versus bad. Denver and Chicago playing each other, so somebody has to win, you know, almost guaranteed. Say the marquee game is Miami versus Buffalo. I don't foresee Miami putting up 70 again, but... Uh, Credit where credit is due to Andrew on the Devin A. chain call. I think early in the year you were big on him and Miami and this Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan-inspired offense. We know they're going to have running back by committee, but I did not think the rookie would do what he's done in this early season. The Bills look much improved in the last two weeks after laying an egg in the first game. I think Bills-Dolphins is your big highlight game here. There's a lot of Cardinals versus Niners type games. And the Sunday night game that I think NBC is probably a lot more excited about before the year, Chiefs-Jets, and now they're stuck with Chiefs-Jets. So, it's Bills-Dolphins is the big one for me, and I would expect, suspect most fans on Sunday. Yeah, isn't it curious to you that the, that the Bills are their two-and-a-half-point favorite? Just considering the way that Miami has looked, I mean, right. at, I mean, the Niners look great, but the Dolphins... You could make a certainly make an argument that they look like the best team in football. That was going to be one of my questions for you. If you had to pick one team right now, Niners, Eagles, Chiefs, or Dolphins? I'm taking Miami. Um, as long as I can guarantee that Tua is healthy, I'm I'm taking Miami because you said they put up 70 points, but. Jalen Waddle, who's their second best offensive player, arguably, didn't even play. And I'm not saying the Broncos are world beaters. Obviously, their defense is not great. They're letting up 70 points, but it just speaks to all the weapons that Miami has because you talked about A-Chain, but Raheem Mostert had 
score touchdowns, even though A-Chain had 200 rushing yards. And Tua <laughs> has had four passing touchdowns, right? It has Tua even thrown an interception yet through no. three games? I just had player stats, and I switched over to teams. Okay. Yeah. He's, right. he's eight, eight and two yeah. right now. Eight and two. Okay, that's fine. But he's 71%, a thousand yards, 10 yard average. Right? He's, that means he's chucking the ball down the field. He's not just throwing tiny little checkdowns. He's not, he's not purdying his way to, to victory. Hey, no. Okay. So, sorry. Sorry. But we know it's true. Um, w is a W. Yeah, that's true. Um, however, I'll just say that the Dolphins just have a bunch of speed. And the only thing that can slow them down is a Tua injury, which we've seen in the past, and the weather. That's it. I don't think I don't think there's really much that can slow them down because their offensive philosophy is basically just like, okay, we're just gonna put four or five guys around Tua who can run four three forties. Stop it. You can't because they don't have enough guys that are that fast. Now, now that you say that, isn't that basically what Alabama did? Where they were just like, here's Jamison Williams, here's Devontae Smith, here's, God, who are all those wide receivers they churned out while he was there? Exactly. Offense does not have to be a reinvention of the wheel. It can be so simple. It's just, obviously these guys are like, Tyreek Hill has speed, but he also understands how to run routes to a certain extent. So does Waddle. So does Mostert out of the backfield. So does A-Chain, but also their coach, Mike McDaniel, knows how to scheme them to get them open. And Tua just simply has to deliver, and he's got the arm to deliver. It's not it's not hard, but we've seen this before. Dolphins look good in September, and then kind of they get into that New York or that, you know, the Buffalo, the Jets weather, the Patriots weather. They look good down in Miami maybe in those warmer weather environments or indoors, but they kind of go to those outdoors environments and not look good or something happens to Tua. That, that's really what the season hinges upon. So um, I think Dolphins look like the best team so far and Tua looks like the MVP so far. They There's some, there's the Giants and the Panthers of the world in there, but they have one of the later buys in week 10. And before then, the Dolphins will play at Buffalo, at Philly, and at Kansas City. So there's a good chance to prove what your team really is with those three road trips in a six-week period. Yep. Um, outside of those teams, I don't know that we mentioned. I'm not sure if I'm really looking at anyone outside of those teams, kind of those five that we've mentioned as kind of a serious threat. So. I'm, I, I need to see what's going on with the Bengals. I, I need a healthy Joe Burrow. I, they, I can't give up on them, but it does feel like we've, you know, you, the, the, I guess the top five again, Chiefs, Bills, Dolphins, Niners, Eagles. feel like they're separating. Yep. Yep. I would Cowboys, agree. Cowboys fans are not going to want to hear that. Um, I think the Browns, because of their defense, are maybe a little more salty than what we expected. Um, Indianapolis is two and one, kind of had a surprising victory last week. Jacksonville one and two, maybe not doing as well. Bengals one and two, but again, the Joe Burrow injury. 
Um, Commanders two and one. I mean, anybody really surprising to you that we didn't talk about preseason that you think could make the playoffs? I don't know that anybody's really rising to the top. I guess some your your Packers are probably ones who look better than I was willing to admit. I'm I more have teams that I'm disappointed in who I expected more from Bengals, Vikings, Broncos. So I more high hopes teams and the Saints were kind of okay, but them without Derek Carr is terrifying. So you no, know, it's more teams that I'm waiting for them to write the ship than people who have shocked me. I don't think I saw Miami being this good. I thought they'd be a wild card team, but they've they're probably the most impressive. Chargers were were you high on the Chargers preseason? This, <laughs> this is going to be the Chargers every season till the end of time. They're going to have all the talent. They're going to go ten and seven. They're either going to just miss the playoffs or lose in the first round. Yeah. Watch I mean, repeat. It just seems like it's their destiny. And man, I'm on the save Kirk Cousins train too. Um, he's on pace for like 6,000 yards and 50 <laughs> touchdowns. And no wins. Like and no wins. It, it's, you, you can't blame Kirk Cousins for these losses anymore if you're a Vikings fan. Just can't. He's, it's not him. It's not, it's not him at all. Right. So. All right. Well, we can we can move on if you would like. No, that's that's about all I had scheduled for for this week's episode, and I think we'll try to cram a lot in here. I I will say, would you like to change your odds for the first overall draft pick if if not the Arizona Cardinals? Oh, my like odds. odds. Yeah, because um, it's really contention. Yeah, because it's really well. I think by the end of the year, though, it will be a Bears Cardinals race. I Jets, think it'll be Jets, Raiders, Broncos, Panthers. Yeah, I think at some point the Broncos might write the ship a little bit too much. Um, the Raiders seem to be trying. I guess the Cardinals seem to be trying, but yeah. Um, I think the Bears are a great candidate to get the number one pick. Are you giving? Way. Are you giving up on Justin Fields to draft Caleb Williams? 100 percent uh we have seen enough we we know that justin fields is not a good nfl quarterback i've seen enough um i mean you're getting blasted by the chiefs it's like 41 to 7 or whatever and you still have less than 100 yards i mean you, you can't even rack up yards in garbage time i i think think we've seen enough and i'd be willing if I got the number one pick to say, I mean, I'd take Drake May, Bo Nix. Oh. Take your take your pick, right? It's time to start over. So, yeah, that's just where I'm at. Wouldn't be the Bears if you didn't start over with a new quarterback every couple of years. And they'll screw it up. Still, let's again, just let's somehow. let's just remember that the Bears. Patrick Mahomes was sitting there the Bears, and they traded up to get Trubisky. Never, never forget. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, even this year, you know, reinvesting in Justin Fields and not taking a chance on, you know, maybe like Stroud or Anthony Richardson might look bad. <laughs> maybe not as bad as the Mahomes thing, but might look bad. And they could get Caleb Williams, and they might screw up Caleb Williams, too, because that's <laughs> how the Bears do it. Right. So, yeah, who who knows? 
Was there anything else on your sports agenda that we need to get to? Uh, no, not really. We still went a little bit over, got our hour in, and congratulations, we made it through the entire episode without mentioning a certain tight end and their certain significant other. So thank you for that. Yeah, we don't need to mention that too much. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And thank you all for joining us. We'll see you. See if we can get one in next week. This October schedule is going to be tough, so I'll see if I can find time to get one recorded and edited and do a couple. Uh, stay tuned to the website and wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you for joining us. Keep your stick on the ice. 